Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, James McSorley here going at you with uh, Mark Schofield as normal. Mark, how's it going? Any news? Uh, nothing to report, man, but thank you for asking. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. So this weekend we are going to talk about a lot of basketball games, but first, everyone, turn your speakers down slightly because something a bit more important happened. Mark's going to be a dad! Ah! Mark! <laughs> Mark's going to be a dad! Mark and Gabby are having a baby! Hey, Anna, how's it going? Good, thank you. Uh, I was going to say Mark's having a baby, but that's not true, is it? I don't no, I can't think take, that's how it works. I can't take all the credit. I, I managed to get through uh, 18 year, 14 years of Catholic school, and I know that that's not how it works. <laughs> Everyone knows that God, no, I'm joking. But yeah, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, it's all good, man. Um, Anna kind of blew our cover when she shared the news and said how long you'd kept it quiet, because... I was going to come at this saying that I can't believe how long I'd been able to make it without telling you, given that we don't speak off the podcast. <laughs> but um, yeah, realistically, you've known for like two hours less than I have, and we're approaching, we're at like two and a half months of knowing now. So you've you've kept it together just as well as I have, and I'm proud of you for that. I've been so tempted. Like there was, we were talking to someone about, oh yeah, in the Jan Haller episode, we were talking about doing stuff over the summer. And I was like, ah, Mark's got enough going on. <laughs> like stuff like that. But anyway, so in light of the fact that I told you that I was going to have some terrible bit at the start of this podcast, I told Mark that the second we were allowed to tell people I was going to freak out. Um, and I did. So Anna and myself took the liberty Okay, Anna doesn't want credit for this. I took the liberty of making a list of potential baby names. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so just some ideas without knowing genders or anything. So, Burgos Schofield, <laughs> Two Guns Schofield, Good one. Mark Wahlberg in Two Guns Schofield, <laughs> um, Gabby did all the work Schofield, James, not a bad one, Brassic Schofield. Javier Bardem and No Country for Old Men, Schofield. <laughs> Mini, short for Minnesotans I like more than Rose, Schofield. <laughs> ben, short for Bench Unit, Schofield. Bell, short for The Belt, Schofield. <laughs> Don, short for Don't Give Chelmer the Belt. These get it real tenuous now. Seb, short for Subscribe to the Bench Units podcast. <laughs> Thea, a nice Irish name, which is Donate to our Cough Thea count. Uh, Reese, short for recently crowned French League champions, <laughs> Mets, Red Dragons. <laughs> That's terrible. I really wanted to write like an A in there and be wrong. Um, TJ, which just stands for terrible joke. You can choose it yourself. Yep. Mike, short for my crooked steps by Soundgarden Schofield. I'll go with and that. Stephen Schofield, middle name Owen. So a nice Stevie Owen Schofield. <laughs> uh, if anyone has any other suggestions, Please feel free to send them in. But yeah, uh, well, my personal favorite is Mini, short for Mini Sotans that I like more than Rose. Brilliant. I'll um, write those all down. Gabs is away this weekend, but I'll let her know when she gets back. They will probably go down all right, because a lot of my name suggestions so far have been very poorly received, if I'm entirely honest. Are um, you like a boring 
like plain and simple these are names that i've heard before naming person you know we don't need to get into this this yeah. isn't a real thing like no. like they, we're not naming the baby on the podcast although <laughs> although highest yeah. bidder in the coffee account gets to name mark's baby <laughs> um now my the thing we've fallen out about the most is i will just anytime i hear it like an old man or old woman name i'm always like how do you feel about rupert for example um <laughs> And because Gabs is half Portuguese, but is like the least Portuguese Portuguese person to ever live, I'm regularly like, "How do we feel about Leandro Schofield?" Or yeah, like, what about what about a nice little João running yeah. around? <laughs> you could have two of them, and there could be a Joinge. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, the um, the naming thing is a is a battle that rages on, but I will put all of those into consideration. Thank you for your time and effort. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna send her all of the names. I had like five more that I deleted because Anna was like, "You can't take up too much time." Also, I should have I, I planned at the start of this to be like, "Hey, skip forward five minutes, guys." But yeah. here we are. Right. right. So a lot of basketball happened this weekend. A lot of basketball that we said was going to happen, and then some basketball that we said was going to happen didn't happen because we got the German Cup dates wrong. Uh, I'll take the hit for this one because I thought it was this weekend. I'll blame Baby Brain because I'm allowed to do that now. You, you, you're not. I'm you, not. You do nothing. Like <laughs> I'm you not. Just do what you're told for another few months. Like that's, <laughs> that's your job, and then for 18 more years. <laughs> Yeah, as if I'm going to be around all that time. Um, <laughs> right. If anyone's looking for a 1-5 on a fly-out con. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need to fly me out. They can move me out there, man. I'm happy with that. Um, right. So should we have a bit of a palate cleanser to start? Because most people have probably forgotten that this one happened. But you guys had a midweek jaunt against my beloved Burgos Schofield. Yes, the bench units derby. My team against Mark's. Um, God, I made that joke to you on like Tuesday evening and it feels like a month ago. Um, but yeah, so 83-51 to Bidaidek Bilbao. They didn't have the Korean players, which kind of takes them down a notch. Uh, we didn't have David Murray's, which also in theory, like affects us, but we had enough to get over the hump here because they kind of it's a tough look for Andre Maciek specifically to have to do so much as a one five without support. And even then, like he had 15 points, yeah. but he averages, I think 19 for the season. So yeah, in theory did a job on him and everything else took care of itself. Um, we had Biel Carbo show up and put in another great performance. He had 17 Manu had 24, which might be his biggest game of the season. Yeah, I would have said um, Got to the line three times, which barely ever happens. Um, I don't mean by his account. I just I feel like he probably should be in the line eight times a game. Uh, but that's just me <laughs> and everyone else who wears a Bilbao shirt. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Hasso with 21 rebounds, which is nuts. But 10 of them were off his own misses. So oh, Got to get your rebounds up somehow. Yeah, we took 12 shots in the first minute and a half and made like two of them. <laughs> like just from like, I think it was like playing Tuesdays weird. It's also we showed up and they had like a half court to warm up on before the game started because we rearranged this. They were nice enough to rearrange it and do what they could. But we basically 
played in their training slot, which is like a half court to warm up in and then the game on the full court and the rubber. And it's a weird place to go to, but yeah, we figured it out one by 32. Yeah, we're going to blitz through a lot of the less eventful games, but this one was essentially a team that's, both teams here typically stick to five guys with minimal rotation and this was the matchup of one team that typically is good enough when they just stick to five missing a guy and one team that typically is not good enough to compete even with a full five missing their first or second best player. Yeah. So I don't Yeah, and it's like you're putting so much on a one five there, like throwing a ball to Machek. He's so good, but like throwing a ball to a one five for 40 minutes and being like, go get us some buckets is (laughs) tough look. Go get us some buckets. By the way, there's probably not anyone who's like you can reliably pass to to finish is like a tough, tough look. Yeah. Should we do unexpected fun game of the weekend? Yeah, game of the weekend. Uh, Las Rosas 68, Zuzanak 74 after double overtime. (laughs) This is almost (laughs) the same score as your guys. game against Malaga and that only went 40 minutes. They had 10 additional minutes and I think scored an extra three points. Yeah, like, let's just look at this. Las Rosas shot 74 plus three. They shot 77 shots in 50 minutes. Let's see if we can come across a team that shoots 77 shots in 40. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we'll find it or close enough. Like, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So this one was my favorite minute of this game was just to take it into the first overtime where uh, Las Rosas were down to Salvador um, Zavala missed like a baseline post up and Christian Gomez had been battling on the opposite side to try and get position was like kind of trapped under the basket and he pulled this offensive rebound down with like the fury of someone who you know when you have to get your luggage from the overhead things in the aeroplane he grabbed he grabbed that like someone was trying to take his bag and he like grabbed it, stuck it back in, and then he pulled a defensive rebound down, got the slightest tap and tipped like he'd been hit by a sniper. And it's like you can't expect the ref to call that foul to bail you out of there when you've just nearly taken a guy's arms off in pursuit of that offensive rebound. Yeah. But, this yeah. Was, this was a weird one because it was like, was it 62s at the end of four quarters? Yeah. 62 all and it was 62 all with like a minute and a half to go and it wasn't like like anytime a game goes to overtime I'm I really kind of hone in and be like okay what happened in the last minute or so like was it like a go-ahead bucket or was it a defensive stop to finish and it was like no the the tying score was at like 132 or something (laughs) which is mad and then it was just like miss 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 but I I don't know man like I would have put I would have put money on. I wouldn't have put money on it because that's weird. But I would have. I would have gone with Las Rosas to be able to find a bucket in like slow half court situation. Yeah. Well, Gomez fouled out was the other thing. Um, yeah. I can't remember if he fouled out mid first overtime, maybe. Um, yeah, but they could still go. Savala, um, Alexi Ruiz, um, Cantero. Yeah. Alexi Ruiz had a big game, but Zavala had played... By the time Gomez fouled out, I think Zavala had played the entire game up to that point. He is. So, 
yeah, something, as we 49, mentioned. 49, I think. So, yeah, I think this was a last process wearing themselves out and they rely on making difficult shots anyway and difficult shots get more difficult in 10 extra minutes. Yeah. Um, weird stat. Do you think that Zuzanak are undefeated when they have three guys reach double figures? Because I think it's only happened three times and they might have won every game. Um, I don't I don't know. Um, this, this is not off the cuff, but I, I feel like all three of their wins, they've had um, Jose Lee, Ruben Viso, and what's the other guy's name? Adrian yeah. Garcia. Um, yeah. I think they've all hit double figures in all of their wins. <laughs> they must be like, man, if we could just get these guys to 10 points each per game, we'd never lose. It's a really funny thing because you would like to assume that to win a game, you would need three people in double figures. Like, yeah. that is probably the case. Like, if you don't, I don't see how you would win a game yeah. unless you're doing the like, everyone has seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. So uh, to answer your question, probably. Yeah. Uh, Just yeah, it was, it was really strange. Like, it was one of those, like, because even like, it was a 10-point lead going into the fourth quarter before yeah. um, before Lazarus Us came back. But this was a very strange game. Yeah. And it now leads to the last weekend being a bit like, oh, if this person plays this person and they beat them by this much, like all of that stuff. And someone was telling me it and I, I just was like, ah, I don't care that much. Don't worry yeah. about it. That stuff's worth worrying about at the top of the league, not so much <laughs> when it's like these guys need to score X number of points to try not to get relegated. You're like, well, if they can't do that, they should probably go down anyway. Well, like it's super important to all of these guys, but I think Las Rosas, Zuzanak, and Burgos are all kind of playing each other next weekend in some combo because I know Zuzanak play um, Burgos Sunday. In a couple of weeks' time, sorry, Euro Cup's next week. Um, but I'm gonna say Burgos will be at Champions Cup. Yeah, if you had your, your way, uh, you'd be like, never mind the seeding. Uh, <laughs> you'd be like, never mind the seeding. I'm gonna pick a team that isn't there but should deserve to be there. You'd see Madiba, and you'd be like, ah, that reminds me. <laughs> Instead of doing the right thing, but no. Um, yeah, hell of a game. I love it when. I love it when there's just a mad game from teams that are mid or bottom of a league. Like, I don't know. I obviously like really, really good game between high level teams. Yeah. It's a different the, kind of fun, but just watching chaos. Yeah. There's a weird, um, there's a weird like value for money feeling, isn't there? When you tune into a game between two teams that you're not excited about and the game turns out great. It's like finding a fiver. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Shout out to Zuzanak for pulling it out. Like, and shout out to Alexi Ruiz for playing fifty actual minutes. <laughs> that's that. That only usually happens at the Mercia home games. <laughs> yeah. Right. Should we move on? We should. All right. Next game. Uh, Madiba sixty-four. Uh, via the lead fifty-six. So do you want to say something nice about uh, via the lead or do you want to? No, that? I will do. Um, I don't think it's coincidence that this game was way closer than we expected and it was a pretty good via the lead performance on about the one week since we started doing the belt where Yelma hasn't voted for himself. So bear that in <laughs> mind, Yelma. Um, 
Although Yama's dad did vote for him again. <laughs> and he, I think he adds an extra, extra exclamation mark to it each week, which is funny. Um, yeah, yeah, I wonder like, if we're making fun of this and Yama's dad actually really, really wants it to happen. Because <laughs> like, if that was the case, if I found out that it was actually meaningful to Yama's dad, I'd be like, yeah, all right, man, no worries. Well, we could get in that case, we'd give it to Yama's dad rather than Yama. No, we could be like, you can have it. It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, this was a, this was like close in the first quarter. And I think Vidalid went the first quarter, oh, down one. It was, sorry. Um, I thought they were ahead after one. But yeah, this was like a a non-Maxi Ruggeri Vidalid team just living and dying by the post-up, which doesn't sound like a good idea against four very similar sized guys. But they got it to work for at least the first quarter and really the first three quarters. It was 44-42 after three quarters, which seems ridiculous. Um, Ultimately, Madiba just had more in the way of shot creation and sure thing. Offense and John Hernandez was 10 from 17 for 30 points. So there's only so far that contested post-ups going to get you against that. But yeah, decent via lead showing then. You say contested post-ups, they also hit six out of 11 threes, which is insane. Like, I was talking to you about this because I planned to stick this on, kind of see what it was about, and then flick it off. And I was like, oh, they're hitting contested post-ups and threes. This might keep them in it. But it was a thing of, like, there were several times in the game where Madiba kind of turned the defensive pressure up a bit and got turnovers or 24s or eight-second calls whatever, and kind of ran in the other direction. And as you say, John had a really good game. Lewis had a really good game as well. Yeah, I was like, yeah, like they're probably just like show up, win the game, go home. But yeah. by the lead, put up more resistance than they thought, I guess. But yeah, yeah sure. Um, John did hit some big ones as well that were like the run stopping Vidalid played a decent defensive possession after hitting a three, and then it's like swing it to John, who tucks in behind the screen and nails a bank shot. And it's like, oh yeah, every time we've thought Madiba might be up against it all season, John has tucked in tight behind the screen and nailed a bank shot. So I don't know why we would expect it to be any different in this game. Yeah, but, it's the thing of like when you like if John's in the four spot, nearly everyone in the world, it's like, are they going to follow this seal to the basket, or are they going to spot up and shoot it? And it's like, ah. Eh whatever you give me, yeah. like, give me one and I'll do the other. It's fi- like, you know what I mean? Um, but random Madiba question, where would they finish in Champions Cup? Um, well, my theory on Champs Cup is that the actual eight best teams in Europe are the top two German teams, followed by the top five Spanish teams, followed by, I would have said, Lacané as eighth, but I think we might have to dispute that given recent events. What about um, Cantu? Yeah, well, I think Cantu at eight. So I think that places Madiba as their second in the league, right? So fourth best team in Europe, potentially. That feels, I guess that feels a little bit high, but maybe that's just because we haven't been expecting them to go into Champs Cup, so they don't feel like a Champs Cup team. Although they... Um, they def- although they for sure are. Um, they're definitely more of a Champions Cup team than Mo, let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, God. I um, that. Quite, we have to play them. La- um, last thing we'll point out, um, this was Phil's last home game at Madiba as he announced pretty quiet one on the way out where he's just had seven rebounds and eight assists. I don't know what the situation was. I imagine it's a pretty emotional day for him and all that. He's been there four years, five years at this point. 
Mm-hmm. So I think this was it was good for him to go out on a win, but maybe the yeah muted performance is a sign of like the significance of it. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Not a clue. Phil, come on, bench units. It'll be great. It will. Um, right. Yeah. Up next. Uh, Grand Canaria Amphif. Have I clicked the right link? Yes. You have. Uh, <laughs> Grand Canaria 71, Amphif Vigo 61, without Rose Hollerman and Luigi Macambo. Yeah. So, fair enough. So, Rose's wheels have gotten lost on the flight back from Germany to Grand Canaria, is Which why is she wasn't hilarious because they're green and yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Luigi, I don't know what the situation he with him is. Ill, right? Okay, yeah, yeah or he's, he's like, I'm, I'm just gonna stay home and watch the French Cup, <laughs> it's got all my mates in it. He said, Well, vive la France. No, yeah. he did say that. Um, so yeah, this was. Kind of Grand Canaria still having enough to run their stuff. Um, missing one of the best spot-up shooters in the world, but replaced by Raul Vega, who shot 8 from 10 on spot-up. So he... Raul, who shoots 100% at all times. If, <laughs> and if he didn't, if you thought you saw him miss, you didn't. The training session all-star. Um, I think unbelievable. But yeah, like to do that job, he's perfect in yeah. like that sort of spot. Not like... He's not Rose because no one's Rose, but like, yeah. So this one was a little bit closer than expected, I think it's fair to say. And I was watching this as I was flicking backs and forwards between other games. And I was like, this seems weirdly close. Check the stats. And I was like, oh, Romo's got 20 shots up and hit James's benchmark finally. And he was in that 12, that 20, he was seven from 12 threes, according to do it. So it's that kind of explains why this game was pretty close. I think that yeah. only begs the question of if the other team is missing two starters and one guy from the away team is hitting seven threes, should you be a bit closer than 10? Is is that a reasonable question to ask or is this a talent gap thing? I think it's a talent gap thing. Like even if you think like you're missing two starters and you're probably still top heavier than... Of Vigo, yeah, that have come traveling that far away. I just saw Grand Canaria um, pointed out on one of some of their media in some capacity that they're the only team that haven't lost at home all year. And I was like, yeah, wow, that makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> I say that like we lost at home when I was there, like, but <laughs> you do certainly have an advantage. But yeah, yeah, I think um, so as well as saying like a blanket statement like missing two of their starters definitely doesn't build in the caveat of the guy who started in place of one of them went eight from ten. Like, yeah, that's as good as, if not better, than Rose would have probably shot if she was in this game. So call it a draw. Um, yeah, like being like, oh no, they're missing something. But like if you replace it with eighty percent shooting, like you can. But yeah, yeah. like I, I know it probably changes things schematically. Where like people get layups because Rose has her chair within lines sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, whereas that doesn't like shooting is hitting shots and it's also creating spacing by being in the right place yeah. while having other players think that you can shoot. And like people know where I'll can shoot the ball, but like not at the, not at the level of respect that Rose gets. So I think that's where some of it comes from, but not yeah. at the level of respect Rose gets from the Spanish teams, at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, like, 
Vigo getting to 61, a lot of that is one of your players got half of the way there. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Roma with 27, Agustin Alejos with 15, Julio Villas with 13. So pretty good three-man showing right there, just six points from the rest of the team combined. Um, yeah, the fact that you're like, hey, give us 15 between the rest of the team and we would have got somewhere is... Yeah. Um, meanwhile, for Gran Canaria, they get 18 from Ari, who is 9 from 14, uh, 16 from Jorge Sanchez, 16 from Raul, and 14 from Jorge Salazar. So that is literally four double-digit scorers, plays three, and it's a 10-point difference. <laughs> Sometimes the math isn't that complicated. We love we love talking about vague like vague, non-intelligent maths things and being like, ah, turns out that's what matters. It is. Also, Ari with, um, while we're on it, Ari with 11 rebounds and eight assists, two assists shy of a triple-double. I don't know if I've ever seen Ari have eight assists before, but it feels like he should because all he ever does is catch the pass from one way and swing it to the other. Yeah. No message from Barry White this this week to say that there were two assists short, but so that must have actually been a good eight. Yeah, but, fair enough. Um, shall we move on? Uh, yeah, why not? All right. Uh, Albacete, 76. Burgos, 42. This is one of the games that I did not watch because I had like nine games to watch today. Because why would you? Uh, I was like, hey, Mark, I've got so many games to watch. And you were like, I'll tell you which ones to not bother with. <laughs> and this was one of them. But I looked at the stats. Um, Kyle went nuts because Kyle is great. We were having a conversation, me and a couple of my teammates, yesterday. And the question was like, who do you think the best player in the league has been this year? And Kyle's name came up. And I was like, I can't disagree with you. Yeah. Like, Not as like, you can't, I don't know if it's actually reasonable to find an answer, but to be like, it's one of these five people, like, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I think that's really entirely, entirely fair. I think he had a couple of quiet games when Albacete went on a bit of a bumpy run, kind of February, March, but it's not coincidence that them getting back on track has been as Kyle has gotten back on track, I don't think. Yeah, because, like, it's the thing of, obviously, they are first in the league, and their bigs all rotate minutes, so it might be like a NBA having NBA team having two superstars who cancel each other out for MVPs. Yeah, but that'd be interesting to try and get like a straw poll on league MVP for this year. But we'll do it at the end of the season. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess the other news from this one was that heading into Champs Cup next week, Albacete have Alejandro Zazuela back because he played in this game. Yeah. Yeah, that because they were really struggling for um, you know guys to go inside and be huge and finish. <laughs> so this really, really adds, like obviously, yeah, adds an extra dimension to what they do. Hot, hot like, take. Yeah, what are we doing here? He's great. Um, that can really, really sort of that could that could change what I think about what's going to happen next weekend potentially. Why do you think you'll beat them now? Pardon? Do you think we'll <laughs> I don't think we'll see them because um, we're going to win our first game and they're going to lose theirs. No, I'm joking. I don't. I don't have a clue what's going to happen. Um, I'm just going to go and try and have a nice time. <laughs> no, um, 
yeah, we're we're not previewing Champions Cup yet because we're doing that next Thursday. Tune in. There you go. There's my way to not talk about it. Um, we get guests on to talk about tournaments so that I don't have to commit. Exactly. Um, like, no, obviously, that is, that just adds such a different dimension to what they do. Obviously, they've had Ben in that spot all year, and he's been unbelievable. Um, I think Andrew might be a foot taller than Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I know this was, yeah. this was obviously more not, versatility. Yeah, this was obviously not Champions Cup level opposition. Um, as much as it pains me to admit it, but Alejandro, how did, yeah, he, look? Huh? How did he look? Uh, well, he got 23 minutes and he was getting inside and finishing. Uh, Burgos were a pretty small team. Uh, he wasn't like he was only four for 11 shooting the, shooting the ball, but I think that's probably allowable in your first game back after a year off. Yeah, with shoulder surgery specifically yeah. as well. Like, come on, Alejandro, fifty percent at least. But um, yeah, he's <laughs> he's just gonna, like you say, he's just gonna give them something that you could probably argue they had some of already. But I think going into Champions Cup, it certainly doesn't hurt to have more of it for half a point less. No, and a foot taller, like you say. It's also just like another player you can put, like you can put Ben in, and because I think one thing that Ben has is like, he's super versatile. He can play inside, outside slash like, um, and maybe that's something that he can get to now. Yeah. The, I think there's, there's a knock on effect of having a guy that size. Who's like, I'm just going to do the thing I do and I'm going to do it. Well, everyone else can work around it rather than kind of pigeonholing Ben into that role. Yeah, um, for sure. Shall we? We've talked about Burgos already, but this was another Andre Macek carrying the load game. Uh, seven from 15 for Macek, four for 13 for Martin Arredondo, as is typically the case. Um, and not a whole lot else from Burgos. And we've just done a bit on them and have loads more games to get to. So on we go. Yes, we're going to put our sort of resources where, like, mentally and in terms of time, in, into things that. Need a bit more conversation. All right. Yeah. Talking about things that people are talking about. <laughs> Bilbao 71, Malaga, Amivel Reyes, Gutierrez, 70. I'll let you go. Uh, yeah, Malaga really good. Cazarina um, is great. And I felt like he did nothing but just shoot over the top of me for 40 minutes, uh, which is probably true because he had 26. Um massive Chema game with 29, including our last four points to go from down three to up one. Um, I think you want to talk about this being the Rodrigo Perez game because he was three from four threes plus an and one um, for 10 points in 18 minutes that felt like four minutes because he did it all in a very short period of time. Yeah, it was... I mean, the big thing here is you guys were 11 points up after the first quarter and I was sitting at home watching this and was like, Malaga, I was like, oh, this should looks relatively easy for Bilbao. And then... They beat us every other quarter. Gets, gets the second quarter and Malaga win that one and cut the deficit in half and you're kind of like, oh yeah, that's right. Malaga spend the first quarter of every game looking like they've never met and then they figure it out at some point. In the two-minute timeout, between I, think the first that, I think that's harsh, but yeah, it, it's honestly every game they lose the first quarter of every game, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, we do know how to play together." Um, and there was a lot of hassle in the first quarter, and you're like, 
that makes sense because Malaga rolled out with uh, Jaime Esparza, Christoph Kozarini and Pete Kuzak as their three biggest guys. And you're like, Hasso might be as much mass as those three long but skinny guys combined. Yeah, um, like there's like height and then there's Hasso. Yeah. Um, well, no, Kozarini can, can bother him, but not yeah. a whole lot else. The weird uh, thing is this felt like a relatively quiet Kozarini game because he was just kind of knocking down post-ups. He wasn't doing anything sensational. And it was just like, yeah, he's hit a few, he's hit a couple of mismatches, a couple of screenshots here and there. And then it was like, oh, he has 26 or whatever he finished this game with. I'm not looking at the box score. Um, but yeah, mad game. And do you want to get to the end game situation? Um. Yeah, so we were down. No, we were tied. Uh, I can't remember. It was it was last minute or so. Um, Rodrigo Perez hit a three, which I was convinced was a two at the time. But then I went back and looked at it. And I was like, ah, he's probably behind the line. Fair enough. Um, so we were down the floor. Chema Avendano hits a big shot. Uh, they come up the other end. We get a stop on a Pete Kuzak right wing shot. Um, oh, yeah, he, he nearly had a layup on that possession as well. And the pass got bubbled out and he had to go out to pick it up and turn and shoot. But like that, yeah. that pass being low was the distance between him having a layup to go ahead and him having to force up a contested shot. Yeah, because we kind of went chasing because we forced them into like Abdi fumbled the ball. I think the pass got tipped or didn't make it to him. Like he didn't just fumble. And I think me and David both saw that and we're like, we're going to pounce on this, but we both went for it and Abdi pulled it up. So we were out of position and I kind of scrambled to get to Pete was lucky with that bobbling. He missed that shot. We went up the other end. Chema hits a big post up against the Abdi. And then the thing that everyone's talking about. Um, so there's 10 seconds left. They run a play. We file um, to just put them back on the sideline with 1.5 left. Um, Christian Barr was inbounding from the baseline. I, for some reason, was defending the inbounder because I was like, is there enough time to leave the inbounder alone and then make us pay? And like... In theory, it shouldn't matter as long as no one else loses their guy, but apparently we just lost Abdi and he cut for a layup um, because they sent Cozzarina to the ball side. And I think everyone in the world was like, they're going to throw it to the guy who's massive. Yeah. And he's going to have a post up down one with a second to go. Like, yeah. so it makes sense to try and front that, but not at the expense of a layup. So David sees it, trails him, and the ref calls a foul, but not a shooting foul. So they get sideline ball with 0.5. And that's the game. And a lot of people think it was a shooting foul. I I think it's a weird one because like he had his hand on the ball for a second. I was like, oh, imagine if they called a jump ball here, like the NBA. But I think it's it's tough to see that not being a shooting foul probably. But I'm very happy it wasn't. But I think the thing is like, because Abby like goes to go up with it. David gets a hand on the ball and then kind of goes over the top of him. Um, and because of that, Abby pumps that one and then shoots reverse. 
And I think the referee's argument might be that he wasn't into the shooting motion on the second, which is a strange, I, I don't know, by the way, like I, I was just like, stayed away from it. I was like, oh, I don't know what's happening here. But we, yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if they sent him to the line. And I certainly wouldn't have been surprised if he made both of them. But it's not really up to us to call it is what the team that gets away with that will say. Yeah. So, yeah, like, as, as I say, like you could have, it's a weird thing of like, if you hit him before the ball gets there, it's not sportsman like anyway. Yeah, so but, really no fine line, but I understand everyone being like, yeah, that's a shooting foil because I've seen plenty of those go to the line. Yeah, the problem is it was it either had to be a jump ball or a shooting foul, I think. And had it been called a jump ball, it probably would have been the quickest jump ball call in wheelchair basketball history. Yeah, for sure. Like that's like that doesn't happen in the wheelchair yeah, game. The NBA not. is like if there are four hands on a ball, I blow a whistle. Yeah. Whereas the wheelchair game is like, I want to let you scrap for second <laughs> seconds, like two dogs <laughs> fighting over a rope. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah we shouldn't have been in that situation because yeah. we should have lost someone cutting for a layup with a second to well, go. As I said to you over text, the counterpoint, the whole thing is if they'd have just played Rodrigo Perez enough minutes, they would have blown you guys out. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a one-point game in any sense. Yeah, like he was plus five. So in theory, you play him, you play him and they win by 20. Um, so but yeah. I don't know, man. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of people who've been like, like that video has been sent to me and it has the video has been forwarded many times it already. And it's like, yeah, sure. It just never feels good to have a game that you win with like a, have we? Okay, no, let's go and talk to the table for 45 seconds. Yeah, sure. Okay, um, never mind. Blah. But yeah, man, I, yeah, I, I, I get it. But I also like, I, I yeah, whatever. Well, well whatever. Um, Hell of a game, though. I thought they were going to... They made a couple of pushes that I was like, oh, okay. But I don't know. Um, I really felt like... And this is credit to Adi Orgbemi. Like, they felt really well prepared defensively. Like, they always look it. Like, they feel like as close to any team does in the league to not rolling out, like, a base defensive format in every yeah. Saturday just and then adjusting ever so slightly like they have their bases but they also like just bring out some weird stuff depending on like they had like boxing one on um uh, David at one point they had triangle and two like they they were targeting certain things they were sending people certain ways but like it was like it all felt very intentional and very well put together which is really cool to see yeah um, I think you could you could tell that as well with the way there was various like important plays for you guys where it was like hey Chema's just gonna have to hit a big shot to get it like he's gonna have to hit a shot where the only explanation is that you can't defend that any better he just made it yeah yeah they kind of forced us into like like when I used it last week but like making a play rather than running a play like yeah um Chema Chema hit I think it was his second to last one where he got an elbow mismatch on Chris Mbaba and the pass was really slow getting there and he was rolling backwards by the top by the time the ball got to his hand and he was like obviously super conscious of three seconds so barely gathered it shot it and it bobbled about five or six times and dropped and it was like oh my god this guy just will not let Bilbao lose under any circumstances 
Yeah, the local man is just yeah. like, oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, Gemma's been great all year. Like, that's been so cool to Although see. I, I did think when that shot went down, I did think he was going to get another technical for yelling at their bench. And I was like, this is the last thing you need right now when you're up one. <laughs> but that would have been funny enough that I would have been fine with it because that would have been the third one this season. <laughs> right. Should we move on? Yes. Okay. Elonia cool. uh, 86, Mercia 52. Yeah, so the story in this one is that Terry appears to be all the way back from his broken finger. Yeah, Terry Bywater, quite good. (laughs) Shocker. Um, Terry had 27. He was six from eight twos, five from six threes. (laughs) And you would think that Mercia was like, as a team, I know they're new this year, but they Mercia has been a team for a long time in various divisions and has been in Spain for the entire existence of the city. Surely they know that Terry can do this. Yeah, and they do. Like, yeah. uh, I don't know whether if you're, it's a weird thing, but it's like, I don't know if you're a team that's like an underdog. Are you just like, ah, we'll see what happens. We'll just like pack the paint and yeah, we're figure gonna, it out. Or, we're going to have to rely like, on some luck to- anyway. You've got stuff going to the basket constantly as well. Like you've yeah. got Bill 13 from 18, like 26 from Bill on high efficiency, 72% shooting. Like you kind of have to pick your poison at some point, but yeah. I don't think letting Terry do whatever he wants is an effective use of resources on defense, <laughs> obviously. Like it's tough though. Like I don't think they have the, they don't have the guys to no. stop Elunion. Like very few teams do. Like teams that beat a union kind of outscore them. Like, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so this was there isn't a whole lot to this. It was Illunion used Terry's shooting to get more or less whatever they want inside. So Terry with 27, Bill with 26, Greg getting left open because they were then collapsing on the bigs going inside all the time. Greg with 15. And yeah, Illunion got 18, 14, and 10 from Lalo. Uh, Philip Halfley and Jose Marion respectively, but it's just not enough when you're letting the other team get above 80. You've got to bring it offensively, like you said, because you don't have the guys to stop them. Yeah, like some games like this that we talk about, it's like, hey, Alunion beat Mercia by 34 because they should and did. <laughs> like, uh, not a whole lot to it. Um, but yeah, it's cool to see Terry, Bill, Greg, and company scoring before next week. Like it's good to see them letting it fly. Good to see Terry back to good to see Terry's right hand is open for business again. And that business is booming. That sounds sinister. Um okay. <laughs> that does. You're right. Okay, not that. <laughs> right. Shall we shift on? We've rattled through Spain real quick, and the reason is there has been not one but two cup competitions this week in Italy and France respectively so shall we do Italian cup first and most importantly I was watching these games most this weekend and I think the French cup itself looks cooler than the Italian cup but I don't know how important that is no I I think so and I think it's important because I think there's a really strange thing that it's like, this matters. And it matters when you're handed something that like means a lot to you, but you're like, hey, this doesn't look that great. Yeah. Well, like, the, the Italian Cup is huge and is like massive. 
you see the guys holding it and it like they can barely look over the top of it for a photo and it's like we're going size versus quality here i think yeah although there's something really funny about the novelty of that like i always thought like our world championship trophy from 2018 is so funny because it's just <laughs> like four feet tall and yeah. too heavy to lift the the idea of giving the winning team just like an inconvenient obligation is kind of funny in and of itself but yeah like the idea that all the snc that we did in the lead up to the worlds was just so that phil was able to lift that trophy at the end <laughs> it's funny to me but so um, mor- moral of the story is cup size matters uh yes apparently so but yeah just like there's a really strange thing of if you're going to make a big deal about something, give someone like, don't, don't give someone a bad plastic medal if they win the highest prize in your sport, in yeah. your country is, is probably my thing. Don't give someone like a primary school sports day medal <laughs> for, for an Italian championship. But shall we hit some of the games on this one then? All right. So first, uh, first semi-final in the Italian league was Gillianova 60, uh, Padova 49. I don't have the Italian chops to give like the full names and give it a bit of flair. So if you want to go ahead, you can. Although Millennium Basket is kind of... <laughs> um, yeah, well, you've done this one, so I'll do, I'll do my best for the next ones. But um, yeah, this was just part of a... I was surprised we're in this because they must have been fourth at the relevant point of the season first to qualify. They're definitely not the fourth best Italian team. No. Um, and Julian Over, despite a very average game from Adolfo Badoon, who was two from 14, Julian Over have got the stuff to get past this team. Yeah, everyone else being unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that you're like, oh, they, they dispatched from this. It must have just been just what you'd expect. You're like, no, the other Juliadova starters went to combined eight from 10, nine from 11. I said combined and then I'm not adding them up. They went eight from 10, nine from 11, four from six and four from eight respectively. Like that'll do it. Ordoon got carried. Yeah. And we're, we're looking at some last rotas numbers here. Cause um, Juliadova won this game only taking 51 shots. 54. Oh, 50, sorry, three. No, I'm saying 54%. That's the one. Um, yeah, so this was, I mean, Badoon and Cavagnini on the floor together just want to run slow offense anyway. And yeah. it kind of works when the team you're going up against definitely isn't looking at getting up and down as much of a strategy. Um, Padre have got some decent players, but they have nobody on the level of Badoon. I think the... French guy, um, Abdel Bouganya, is pretty good, but he is being asked to shoulder an awful lot of the load with nobody really to feed it to inside. Yeah, it's a lot. Like, it is kind of, having not really watched a whole lot of Padova this year, I kind of watched it and I was like, he just needs a little bit more help from somewhere. Like, there was a lot of, like, and Ahmed is great and Ahmed will do what Ahmed will do. He's getting older, obviously, but it's like, there's just a lot of man if he had someone going to the basket or someone creating on the on the other side of the floor, they might get somewhere, but it's tough. Yeah. It's kind of have what they have, like at that level. Yeah, it's asking a lot. Um Julian Over aren't the deepest team in the world by any means. They only played six guys in this game and they only played five in the final of this cup. But 
Yeah, I mean, they have... Jillian Over really have four pretty good guys, and I think the um, Gabriel Benvenuto is pretty young, dude. Um, he's all right yeah. as a three. They are kind of one adult away from being serious business in that spot if they could get a, like a solid... If Alejandro Zazuela was knocking around, this team would be pretty dangerous. <laughs> but he's obviously not. And if ah, he's... Benvenuto does it well, man. Like, yeah, no, he's a good player, man. He um he showed out in this game, but this was kind of the game that he's set up to play well in. And I don't know if that translates to when they then have to play one of the more stacked teams in the final. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Well, we already have, but we'll talk about it in a second. Yeah, you'll find out if you're listening to this but haven't watched the game, you weirdo. I say this as if I don't talk about games that I haven't watched. <laughs> Fine. All right. The other semi-final, which was kind of strange that it was a semi-final in my head. Yeah. Uh, Cantu, 66. Santo Stefano, 51. Oh, I was meant to leave that for you, wasn't I? You were. Sorry, would you like to Would you like to say Cantu or as their friends call them? Briante 84. I love the idea of like the, the reverse, uh, but you can call me whatever. Hi, my name's James, but you can call me Mr. James McSorley. <laughs> like, like, or like if someone's like doctor, whatever, it's like, yeah, but you can call me doctor, whatever. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. So this was a rematch of a game we talked about a few weeks ago um, where Cantu had absolutely shot the lights out on San Stefano and beaten them by a margin that was somewhat discombobulating to even witness. But um, this was more San Stefano just committing to, hey, they're not going to get what they want. We'll make this difficult on ourselves in terms of ugliness if it means making it difficult on them. And kind of that's what they did. They put the press out for the entire game, regardless of Cantu lineup. And there was some stretches where it worked and some stretches where... Cantu were like, hey, we're just going to get two big guys over and we'll probably figure it out from there because if worst comes to it, we'll just shoot a post up over a mismatch with however many seconds we'd like. Yeah, it's having the composure to realise that if you run a half-court offence and what you get is like a post up on the elbow or you get like a extended wing shot just inside the three-point line off a skip, from a pick and roll that is in theory the same, like you're shooting from the same spot. If you just about get there before the shot clock goes in a press break situation. And I know it's, it's not the same because of the context, but being able to screw your head on in that way and go, if we get out of this press and we get to our spots, it doesn't matter that we just had to bust our asses to get here. Like I can still make this shot. And there was a little bit of that. Like if you go post to post to post and you get Ian Sagar on the elbow, that's Ian Sagar on the elbow, regardless of how you got there. Like that's sure. a good look. But I do think there is a thing of Santo Stefano, as you say, being like, this is not going to 80. Like, yeah, um, we're um, not we're not going to get to 80. So we have to do what we can to make sure they don't. But they scored seven in two separate quarters. Yeah. Uh, which is going to get it done. I had a moment watching where Santo Stefano obviously pressed the full game. Cantu with man out situations every so often would like send a couple of guys towards the ball. And I was like, 
are these teams about to press each other? <laughs> and I love it. That happens so seldom, but it's like a most teams will press because one team will be playing like five rapid mids yeah. uh, or five mobile guys in some formation, and the other team will be playing three bigs and two ones. Yeah. But having two teams just being like, I'm pressing because I fundamentally believe that we've got them here <laughs> would have been amazing. But no, it didn't actually happen for doesn't didn't actually happen for extended periods of time. But other highlight of this game was the cameras and the microphones picking up on Ian Segar speaking perfect Italian in his Barnsley accent. <laughs> and it's like I'm it's like kind of Italian accent, obviously, but it's yeah. I just love it because. I don't speak Italian, obviously, but I've heard from several sources that it's really, really good Italian. Yeah. It's just the accent's still there because yeah. you can't you can't get the Barnsley. You can't you can take the man out of Barnsley, but you can't take the Barnsley out of the man. Yeah, that's exactly it. The first time I ever heard him speaking, it was in an interview, and this is going back ages. And I was like, I was fully expecting when I jumped on the interview for them to because it was at the Cantu home court where everybody speaks English anyway, whenever this game was. And I was like, there's definitely someone there who's going to interview him in English. And then I heard him speaking like that. And I was like, what is going on here? He doesn't speak English as well as he speaks Italian. But um, he Barnsley that I lived in Barnsley and he told me where he was from. And I was like, I've never heard of that. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I don't know. Like if yeah. you get to, also if you get to 66 and 38 of those points were inside the key, you're going to do all right. Yeah, for sure. Um, the story for Santa Stefano really was that I think I don't know if this is like an Italian men's team pride thing, but or I don't know if he plays like it every game, but at the sight of Cantu for Sabri Bezzetti is like a red rag to a bull for some reason. He he like gets so in his bag. He he like burned a couple of guys while like U turning and then just doing three or four extra pushes while he was going backwards and then like spinning into a post up and it's like, what is happening here? But he's just like flat out all the time. And I love watching him so much. Like, like, I don't think he's had enough to get them over the line, obviously, in any of these. Like he had, what did he have in this game? Um, 21 in this one. 21 and 13 rebounds. Good game. But like, it's just so much fun to watch because he just does some mad stuff or it just goes wild a couple of times each quarter. And it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, they're um, it's San Stefano. This is the same story as when they played Cantu to a lesser extent, but it's their um, they were, had it within five in the fourth quarter and they gave up two three point plays, I think, back to back or two and one opportunities at least. And they just don't have the shooting from. They've got a couple of bigs that can shoot, but generally that means dragging their bigs away from the basket and they've not got the spread of size to finish inside against Cantu if their bigs are on the perimeter. So them giving away, getting it close and then giving away six straight points is a real margin for them to make up considering, uh, as opposed to if it was the other way around, sorry. Yeah. What What do you think, like, I've just remembered that it was, like Santa Stefano leading at the end of the first, like was do you think that was just playing bigs after that? Like, do you think that was Yeah, like, I think Cantu That was when that was when they went four bigs and Sophie. Yeah. Cantu it's, it's mad yeah. to go four big to break a press, but 
Yeah, I think it is, but I think they tried to go with their two one and a half lineup a couple of times over the weekend, and it just didn't really do it for them. And their one and a half are pretty good, pretty physical guys, but don't take on a lot of anything offensively. So sure. they play a very similar role to what Sophie does in terms of just working for the bigs all the time. And it's like at that point. If you're just going to have two guys out there who are going to work for the bigs, you may as well have one person who's going to work for the bigs and an extra big to work for. Yeah, that's so. fair. And also, like, you look at their bench being Papi, Genanazzi, and Caragill being plus 23, plus 21, and yeah. Sophie with a game high plus 28. Yeah, shout out to Sophie. Yeah, that gets it done. So, um, yeah, that was kind of it. I also think there's an element of San Stefano come out like furious every game and then burn themselves out or it, they it's like a level of shock factor that hits in the first quarter and then the surprise is worn off by the time they you know the other teams adjusted to it by kind of second quarter onwards yeah i think a lot of it is that like coming out swinging and then being like oh oh this is hard to do for 40 minutes and they're also figuring us out yeah sure but yeah all right so right. metal game yeah, we'll just touch on this briefly because we've talked about both of these teams, but this was all of San Stefano's fury um, that kind of got it done for a little bit against Cantu, getting it done for a whole game against Padua, particularly them holding them <laughs> to two points in the second quarter while scoring 22 points of their own. And this game was a 22-point win, so the bulk of the damage done in that 10-minute span. And yeah, Padova just, I mean, they didn't have the horses to play a slow-down game with Julian over, so they certainly didn't have the horses to play, you know, bumper cars with San Stefano for 40 minutes. Nope. I don't really have a whole lot else to say. Uh, Dimitri Tange off the bench went nuts for a little bit, which was fun. I love um, Dimitri. Uh, He's a weird example of being like particularly individually skilled, but not always that efficient or effective. And then he has games like this where it's like this guy might be the best purest shooter I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous, man. He, not to exaggerate, but yes. No, he, he's probably up there in the list of contested shot makers where it's like shot clock winding down, guy on his footplate, and he's like, my shot will remain the same as if I was open and nobody was here. Yeah. So, yeah, that was it. Um, 18 for Andrea Giretti from San Stefano, 16 for Dimitri Tango, 13 for Sabri, and again, 16 for Abdel Bucanya, and 11 for Enrico Fofano, was pretty much all Pad ever got. Um, yes. And yeah, I mean, even the old guys from Padova with Ahmed Rorahi and I mean Mukarik, those guys have been knocking around for a long, long time, but I don't think they've got the willpower or youth to run around with San Stefano anymore. No, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. Um, so, shall yeah, we? Ahmed, that's a lot of miles on one limb. Like, that's. <laughs> that's no, I'm not even joking. Like, yeah, no. It's a tough ask, like especially because, like, I think a lot of guys who are like Greg's obviously got one arm affected, but Greg's a pretty like light, nimble guy. I don't think people realize with Ahmed, but that guy is as solid as any human oh, being yeah. you'll ever see. Like, just in terms of like density of body mass, I guess. But 
yeah, he's so strong. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. He he's um yeah, he's a big solid dude. And yeah, I think asking a guy of that kind of size and density to push around with one arm against San Stefano is asking a lot on the second day of a tournament. Sure. All right. So the final, would you like to bring out your, your best Italian accent? Let's do it. So this was, let's go. go. This was Deco Grupo Amicacci Giulianova con 51 e Unipolsai Briantia 84 con 55. Cool. Fine. Got it? Cool. Uh, yes, I got it because it's in front of me. <laughs> also, I speak Spanish, which is quite similar. Yes. Oh so, my God. We were at an Italian restaurant um, last week, and one of my teammates, who will remain unnamed, was like, do you know the way they do the thing where they're like, hey, we're going to put the things in our menu in Italian to be fancy. Yeah. And he was looking at it, being like, what does this mean? I was like, hey, it's the same. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Only, only I'm like I'm minimizing it a bit because obviously some things are very similar and some things are not. But I was like, "Are you mental?" <laughs> yeah, the idea that you can't possibly latch onto it if it's even the slightest bit different is like. I was just like, you also like you come from a country that also has various different in, like languages independent that are all like yeah all from the same root as Italian. Yeah, definitely. So this was, I know I read the numbers out in Italian because I we never talk about the Italian league and I needed my minute to show off. But um, this was Giulianova 51 and Cantu 55. So this is actually a preview of the Italian playoff final series, which is happening post-Champs Cup. It and, is. And this was only available on Italian national TV. So we weren't able to watch it. <laughs> that would have been illegal. But hypothetically, if we were to have watched it, what would we have seen? <laughs> well, we would have seen that while I would have given Julian over very little chance against Cantu following the semi-final series, um, Julian Ova were actually up in the fourth quarter of this game and it took, I think, six straight points from uh, Cantu at one point to actually put this one away, which I definitely wouldn't have called. And this is... Adolfo Badoon getting hounded, and he had 15 points, but he was seven from 28 in this game overall because they have enough. They've obviously played with and against him for so long that they have a load of guys who know how to defend him and what his various tricks are. Yeah, and Cavanini is a huge dude, but probably isn't taking on four bigs at this point in his career. No, like holding Badoon to. Seven from twenty-eight and Cavanini to one for five. Yeah. The five being the most important part there. Sure. Um, I say that as if being one from fifteen would have been any better, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. you're holding him to five attempts, like that. That is absolutely a formula to beat Gillianova. Yeah, and that's what makes it all the more surprising, really, that this is close because Ramos Beginskis and Marco Stupinengo had. Uh, 13 and 18 respectively on what are we at a combined 15 of 31 so two role players stepping up to carry the score and load and shooting 50 percent between them i think those guys are both pretty underrated but you also oh, yeah. wouldn't have been like hey if our two main guys don't show up against Cantu, we might still be in with a shot if uh stupenango and beginskis can pull it out that seems like a a reach but yeah i mean just yeah. for 
hung with them, man. This was a pretty impressive performance that I ultimately think is they can take some moral victories from this, but maybe this also sets Cantu up for the equivalent of when they lost their first playoff game to San Stefano and then came out in the second game being like, hey, no more messing around. Yeah. So if I told you that Brilliant went seven from 28 and Cavanini went one from five, how many would you have told me that you thought Cantu won by? Oh. It would have been more than four. Would it have been more than 15? Oh, I would have gone, I would have gone 30 to 40, no question. Which is nuts. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I guess they did a pretty good job on the other end of the floor. They were like... Yeah. Yeah, I think Julian over a, a pretty good... So- like, they have... Although it wasn't the best shooting game from a couple of their guys, they have enough knowledge and experience among four of the five guys who played that they weren't just going to see that their shots weren't dropping and fold. Like Cavanini and Burdoon have been around forever. Stupenango has been around forever. Uh, I don't know how old Beginskis is because he seems to have appeared the same for the entire time I've known of him. Sure, yeah, I don't don't know how old he is either. Um, oh my god, yeah. I had a really nice you, you just talking about people's ages reminded me that I was talking to Abdi about being super old yesterday and Patrick DeBoer was like, hey, you don't know what age people are <laughs> he was like, what are you talking about this guy being old or young young for, you don't know how old people are, and I was like, well I know Abdi's super old <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> but yeah, sorry, let's, let's, let's go back no, it's all good, so this was Basically, the reason this game was close is that Cantu didn't get a whole lot of offensive production from really anybody. Um, they got 13 from Filippo Carasino, who I think was the MVP of the Italian Cup, so shout out to him. Yes. Um, they got 13 from him, 12 from Giulio Papi, and they then got nine from Simone Di Maggi and eight from uh, Francesco Santorelli. But this is... They only won this game by four and they got eight points from Santorelli who they they had to pivot away from that lineup against San Stefano. And I think Santorelli was scoreless in that one if I've closed the stats now. But they, um, yeah, I mean, that's a big contribution from a guy who it looked like that lineup really wasn't going to work for them. So getting yeah, eight points from an unexpected source there is is big stuff. Yeah, I guess that's the versatility of lineups where you can go okay, this lineup doesn't work against a team that's just going to be pressing us for 40 minutes, but it maybe does work against a Burdoon-paced team that want yeah. to walk the ball up and kind of place things in this very specific way and get low pointers rolling to the basket. Maybe having the biggest 1-5 in the universe is helpful. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it makes sense in a way, which is cool, but um, not having the really weak, like the really weak points of like super small one-pointers. Yeah. Just height-wise for mismatches makes a difference as well. Yeah, definitely. Less so, mismatchable one fives and ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out, I don't know how you're gonna feel about this, but I have some slight beef with Cantu following their win of this cup. Okay. So Cantu as an organization have existed for 24 years. This is their eighth Italian Cup win, and I think it's something like their seventh in 10 years. And all of their players rightly celebrated and they like did all the corny stuff of like putting it in the bus and strapping it in to take photos and and all this stuff 
And it's like, guys, you won this last year. You brought this cup to the tournament with you. Why are you acting like bringing it home is such a big deal? Yeah, it's not like you're taking it home from the hospital. Like after it was just born, it's like you just dropped it off for yeah. a clean. Like all they did was add your name to it. But no, it's not. Obviously, you know, the answer is that it's not actually the piece of plastic. It's the or metal. Um, it's. Yeah, another season of hard work, I guess. Yeah, so I'm. Only, but yeah, that's funny. I'm only messing with that one, but they, it. I think if you read a lot of their like announcements that they'd won between the guys individually, all of them are like, "This is the club's eighth in its history, and my fifth, sixth, seventh one personally." And it's like, okay, well, surely you're not that excited anymore. Like, it's basically the equivalent of dropping your kid off at school and picking it like. <laughs> But yeah, just being like, hey, give this a clean, add our name to it. We'll be back on Sunday. <laughs> but no, obviously, you can't do that. I don't know. Like, yeah, you got to, if you're not still celebrating the wins, what are you doing? I guess. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm only messing around. I think it's like, <laughs> I think it's a very Italian thing as well to not let any small thing go uncelebrated. So I fully understand why they're celebrating this. Yeah, people should celebrate more. I love it. But um, so. Thought on Cantu before we get into this, how do they shape up looking at Champs Cup going forward? Because I would label these as two less than convincing wins as compared to what we saw when they blew the doors off San Stefano the other week. Um, well, they play Albacete, right? Yeah. That's a very tough crossover. They blew the doors off a team not near the quality of Albacete by shooting 73%. So if they can turn it into a shootout and also shoot 73%, they might have a chance. But I don't even think with all the best tactical intentions in the world, they can turn it into just a straight like 15 to 18 foot shootout. Like, I don't think they have the capability of doing that because I spoke about it, like stopping bigs going to the basket is like that counts as stopping bigs going to the basket if you don't have to send two to each of them and just let world-class shooters make 15-footers. Yeah. So I don't know if they have that. They have the size. I just yeah. don't know if anyone can... Like, I don't know if they have the quality to do that. But, you know, if they go and shoot the lights out, they could get yeah, sure. somewhere. Right. So France. congrats to Cantu. Shall we go to France Yes, let's. Where are you thinking? So, oh, well, we'll just take a holiday together. It'll be nice. Yeah, there was a, one of the, I've just seen this, one of the advertising boards for this tournament said Bastide. And I don't know what it was, but it just made me think of the Sean Bean uh, <laughs> YouTube. Um, if you haven't seen it, go and look it up. Um, but yeah, it's very right. funny. So. Um, We'll blitz through a couple of these first round games because none of them were hugely interesting. So Bordeaux Lagnon was 66-53 to Bordeaux. Lagnon were out and I never watched them in this tournament. Um, I also never watched Bordeaux because they went on to lose to Lacane, but that was at 8 a.m. this morning, so I was not watching that on a Sunday. Um Lacane 96 against Toulouse, who looked convincing for one game in Euro Cup one last weekend, and then that went away fairly quickly as well. They went on to lose the rest of the game. <laughs> good, good one. Um, we had a Lapui mets rematch, which was 67-54 in favour of Mets. 
so closer than it was a week ago. So yeah, sure. Um, that was mainly just Lapui shooting a bit better. I don't think there was any. Lapui didn't have a stroke of brilliance as to how this is. We're going to break them down this time after playing them last week, and I think Mets were nice and refreshed after um, having a week in Sardinia before going to Nice. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Also, I don't think there's. I don't think the thing with Mets is like, oh, I have no idea what they run. How in God's name are we going to stop it? Like, I'm sure, like Malik has been around enough to be like, ah, oh, this is what these guys do. But like, that doesn't necessarily mean you can you can stop a team. Sure. Like, I, I liken it to like the Oldham thing back in the days, where you're like, everyone knows what they play. Like, they're just good enough at it. It doesn't yeah. matter. But um, they're good yeah. enough at it in a league that doesn't have the personnel to take them away from it. Is kind of the the formula. Yeah, we're talking about a lower level, but yeah. Know. I mean, when we were young fellas. Sure. Um, and then the other one was Mo83, Hiers72, which was, I've only caught bits and pieces of Mo and Hiers across the season, but Hiers are struggling, I think is the, the nice way to put it. And you look at what they roll out roll out there around Nico Joancet and it feels semi-miraculous that they reached 72 points. Yeah, he doesn't get enough help. Like, we've kind of spoken about it, and they just kind of need a little bit more size going inside yeah. to counteract what he does, just to take the point that you were going to make in three seconds. Yeah. But, like, you know, you can make it consecutively after me if you want. But I think, yeah, he just doesn't have enough help. And I think people talk about, like, this guy needs another teammate, but I think, people don't think enough about, oh, this guy needs this exact thing yeah. going in this direction, or this guy needs something, some sort of scoring help in this part of the basket, which would take the heat off him over here. Like, So I think yeah. they, he needs a bit more size going to the basket specifically. Yeah, and I, I think it was telling because Mo won this game against Hiers mostly on the strength of their bigs, who were found out in literally the very next game as not being able to get it done. Um, so I think this was just a this was a real clinic in you probably can't rely on your one big guy being principally an outside shooter and everybody else not being reliable finishes like the team yeah. that have won that for have used that formula to success is probably a very very short list yeah so shall we get into the second round where we had Mets and Mo was will not talk about Lucane and Bordeaux because that was 74-43, as I think anyone would have anticipated that it would be. And Bordeaux looked quite sad for the second half of that game. As you would be. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, um. So yeah, this was Met 71 and Mo 52. And this was just Mets being good at what they do and coming off a week of Euro Cup some friendlies in Sardinia and a semi-competitive opening game to kind of hone what they were doing. And they were just better at executing and more clinical than Mo, who play a pretty chaotic style and their bigs aren't particularly reliable finishes, which probably is going to put a cap on your effectiveness. Yeah, even then, like going inside against Mendel and Bandura is... Is, is going to be tough. But yeah, I think that's it. Like they just kind of lack the the sort of steadiness that comes with 
more consistent scoring. Like the sort of blueprint for Mo to win this game was like Sofian Mayawi goes nuts, or you get a mad game, like a really efficient game from uh, Kyle, who did well, but yeah, I don't know. He's, I don't think he's a good player, man. It, and he is, he's got the like the smoothest looking uh catch and shoot I've ever seen. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Isn't it? It's he's... so like, I don't care if you're right here. This is going up exactly how it's meant to. Like, I respect the art of shooting the basketball. <laughs> it was very funny to me just being like, yeah, I have time. It's fine. Yeah. He's uh, one of these people that's like, you have to block the shot to affect it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But then I think that's. They ran some cool stuff where it was like Safian runs the two-man and then drives the elbow and hopes the guy collapses from the middle and they can then kick it to Kyle, who's like super open and knocks that down. But Safian's perimeter creation style is to just try and rampage through people and Kyle can knock shots down but isn't massively effective dribbling off. So that combination of like lack of shooting with your mobile guy and lack of mobility for your shooter is meaning when you're getting jumped by Robin and Muzz and those mobile guys, you're going to struggle to get anything going inside. Yeah, for sure. This was just like the kind of similar, the similar thing with the German league where it's like, ah, the third best team in Germany are the third best team. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a big jump there. Yeah, they def- uh, they didn't play the like the rest of the tournament out, but I would have been interested in a Mo Lapui game to see how those teams actually stacked up for third and fourth. Yeah, but we've had enough games to talk about, so we can probably live without that. So, yeah. so let's go to the final, talking about the games that we had to talk about. Let's do it. So this was Mets. 71, which would apparently be their favorite number because they scored that in both the semi final and the final. And shockingly, Lacane 56, as Lacane lost this game, which I don't think really anybody saw coming, apart from half the people who replied to our Instagram poll today and I think voted Red Dragons out of like, uh, maybe they'll get it because they've played them a few times and haven't got one over on them yet. But yeah, they haven't you played know. them since their change of coach, I guess. Yeah, this... That's the difference. Well, it's not the difference. The difference was Mendel went absolutely berserk in the beginning. <laughs> and I kind of didn't... I didn't know what to do. I think it was a combination of Met scoring the ball well in the beginning um, and, like, good transition D, forcing Lecane into, like, seeing if they could shoot their way out of it. And that's kind of not their... It's not their bag. Yeah. Yeah, there was that, and there was Mendel getting two of their three real big guys in foul trouble early on in the game. They had to take Carlier out in the first quarter, and they brought Hussein Belayed in, who theoretically should have helped because he can handle the ball a bit, but this was not a good Hussein Belayed game by any stretch. Yeah, he had 18, but like that kind of yeah. wasn't great. Yeah, so this was... I mean, Mendel was on here the other week and spoke about how you know dominant Lacane have been. Not only had they not lost a game all season, they hadn't played a game that ended with a margin in single figures. And technically no. technically they still haven't, but I'm sure that isn't they didn't want to add that to the list in this direction. But um yeah, this was just this to me looked like a team that 
is peaking versus a team that has played relatively easy competition all year and hasn't, you know, it's actually, it's way tougher than it sounds when you've not faced much adversity all season and then you find yourself in a tough spot in an important game. It's not really, oh, well, we'll just turn on this thing that we've been laying to rest for however long. Yeah, like that must be tough. Like if you're, because there were times, wasn't it like, it's like 23 single figures at one point. Like, I don't remember exactly. Yeah, well, the, the first quarter ended 26-6, and then it was 39-17 at halftime. Yeah, you like, that yeah. must have been like, what in God's name is happening here? <laughs> like, so I think there's a weird thing of, like, if you haven't been done that all season, it's like, okay, how do we, like, how do we score at a at a pace that we can actually chip away at this? Yeah. Especially when Matt's kept going with the like, all right, we're just going to try and get five back on defense and you can run and run and run if you want, but we're going to be there and you're going to have to try and create five on five or at least four on four. Like I messaged you be like, Oh, here it comes. Cause like, and I started running at the start of the third quarter, but it kind of like, it wasn't even, they were having the success that they needed to. It was more that it kind of looked like yeah, the game it was, it was, they were more playing the game how they would have wanted to. And I was like, ah, this might be their way back into it. But yeah, then I was like, no, if they can stop them in this end and Bandura won't, just doesn't miss behind a double <laughs> on the big, weak side for the fun game, they're probably going to be fine. Big Bandura game, man. He had 19, but that actually feels less than what he had. He, yeah, it's 19, but it's like also, are you going to hit every shot? Yeah, and I, th- every, I think every pass got- that we throw to you behind the double screen for 40 minutes is going to go in. Like, yeah, I think he had most of those 19 across the middle two quarters as well. So it was like establish the lead. And then while Lacane are having to burn themselves out, making their like, they had a couple of runs where it, they got it to like 13 once and then they got it to 16. And it, they had like enough stretches where it looked like they might start chipping into it. But when you've got one guy who's going to drop 20 points across two quarters, that'll probably keep your head above water if you're up by 20 in the first place. Yeah, for sure. He's like a, a great like pressure release valve. Yeah. He's a very overqualified pressure release guy. Yeah. But does it with like, does it sort of very, very well. But yeah, so this game, uh, Mendel 26, Bandura 19, uh, Robin 8, um, Korkmaz 14, uh, Frank de Jong, four. Other yeah, side of the ball. I thought de Jong played well, actually. Some of his yeah. some of his stuff keeping Bandura freed up when Lacane are obviously across the board more mobile than Mets, I think. Yeah, like um, we kind of said, maybe those two guys are going to struggle. And like one of the things that could have gone wrong for Mets, I guess, was it could have been, okay, these two guys are not going to get Bandura to a position that he can get what he wants so can you other three score three on three yeah exactly um but yeah bandura got off and lacane looked like they have the better team i think but i think they just got out executed in this one it wasn't that they were kind of for a large part of it i'd text you this while the game was going on but they looked like weirdly overmatched in terms of they looked a bit stunned defensively and were there for a bit passive. And then they looked a bit panicky that they couldn't get inside on offense. So they were trying way too hard and like picking up offensive fouls and turnovers and stuff. And it's like that being too soft on defense and 
too rushed on offense is not the way to get yourself back into the game. Yeah. I think if like if your team's blueprint is like we can play harder than these guys, but you're not like if you keep just banging against the door but yeah. you can't get in, like what are you gonna find a different way to do it? Or can you actually just crank the pressure up enough that it gets going? Sure. Um, and they couldn't today, so fair play to Mets. Yeah. So is the answer to this week's belt winner, Mendel, even though it's making us look bad because that's just another one in a row of us giving it to one of our mates? Uh, or is it Kyle for going absolutely nuts? Uh, that was good. Eh, France. Yeah, well, I guess for winning the cup because... It's either that or someone in Italy and they scored 55 points. So it's hard <laughs> to give the belt to someone who scored like 11. Yeah. No. So yeah. I guess it's Mendel. Shout um, out Mendel. Um, so that's everything. We've wrapped up 18 games there, more or less. Oh, my so God. This has been a busy one. And yeah, next week is obviously, I don't know if we've mentioned, but next week is Champions Cup. We are being joined by a guest next Thursday who is going to help us preview that and that's going to be on our coffee account so go check that out and feel free to subscribe or donate or support with kind words which ultimately have zero monetary value but (laughs) but they mean something so thank you for sticking with us this has been a long episode but congratulations to Cantu congratulations to Mets and yeah congratulations to the Spanish games which were pretty forgettable overall and congratulations to you, Mark. Anyone who has any uh, baby name suggestions, feel free to send them to Bench Units on Instagram, me on Instagram, or forward them to Mark's home address, which is 12. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to like say the real thing as a joke and then have people not believe me. But like, have you ever said, sorry. <laughs> Right. We'll get out of here before you give away my bank details as well. All right. Right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace out.